0: menopause, perimenopause. These can be some of the most uncomfortable phases of a woman's life. If you find yourself in either of these, well, Hormone Harmony is here for you. Hormone Harmony capsules contain science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life.
1: Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it really shows.
0: And get this. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire
1: first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code DRESSED at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code DRESSED for 15% off today.
0: Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary.
1: So, dressed listeners, please accept this interruption to our regularly scheduled fashion history mystery because we are bringing you a very special interview with the costume designer behind one of the most iconic fashion films of all time. And April, as you know, my personal favorite, (laughs) Clueless, which just this past Tuesday, July 19th, turned
0: 25 years old. Yes. And I just have to say, you guys, you all know someone who's very excited about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Today, we are joined by Mona May, who's Prolific career in film and television spans over three decades. Clueless might be Mona's most famous film, but her work includes also Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Never Been Kissed, A Night at the Roxbury, Haunted Mansion. And really the list just goes on and on. <laughs> yes, and April, dress listeners,
1: please excuse me while I full on fangirl out because I mean, I don't even know where to start, but my admiration and awe of Mona May goes back decades and is really threefold. I have seen Clueless over 100 times since it came out, (laughs) at least. And I can quote it from beginning to end. I know there's a lot of people who are there with me. And then there's this added layer of of me being a costume designer myself, um, but also a fashion and film lover. I mean, from Azzedine Alaya to Calvin Klein to that unforgettable yellow plaid suit, Clueless is a fashion lover's dream and one that still resonates to this very day.
0: Cass, you are not alone in your excitement for today's guest, so let's get to it. Mona, welcome to Dressed. Mona, we are talking to you
1: this week in celebration of the 25th anniversary of one of the most iconic fashion flicks ever, Clueless, which debuted 25 years ago this past Tuesday, and which you as a costume designer played such a central part. You and your work is currently getting so much well-deserved attention.
2: Yeah. So I'm really happy. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of flying high on all the clueless anniversary and yeah. it's been amazing. Uh, I mean, you know, my Instagram is blowing up, which is so cool. You know, it's funny cause it's like people are discovering who I am in a weird way, you know, like, yeah. Oh my God, you did the costumes or you did that. And Romy and Michelle and never been kissed and wedding singer, you know? So like, it's just, the love is pouring and it's so nice. I mean, you know, my numbers are jumping up and it's just really great to, you know, we as costume designers, we are behind the scenes and nobody really knows what our job really entitles. I think it's kind of hard, you know, what the work goes into it and the preparation and really all the creativity that has to really come from us to create these characters from pages of the script. You know, they really just kind of very vaguely are described to us. And we really have to kind of be the psychologist, kind of like a, you know, a detective to find out who they are deeply, you know, their psychology, where they went to school, maybe, what, you know, what place in life they're in right now and, you know, where they shop, you, you know, what kind of the, the apartment they have, you know, what's their journey right now in the film, you know, the arc of the character too, you know, so it's, it's really a lot of, lot of details that goes into this that people don't really understand, you know, I think it's, it's kind of a mysterious job in a way.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and you said you, you're making the rounds. You're all over Vogue. You're all over Instagram. Um, people are are recreating their favorite clueless moments. Um, yep. And, I mean, I ha- what does it feel like to have been part of a film that is still so much a part of pop culture, even to this day, after two decades? It's still so fresh and so relevant and so loved. It's incredible. I mean, it's
2: truly, it's like a... One in a lifetime situation, I think that one can have that—that's something that you you do out of love, you know, because you don't set up to do the best fashion film of in the universe, but right. you just work, <laughs> you do your thing, and you you know you, you I mean I am a fashion designer, you know, from training, and then I got into the costume kind of back doorway, and you know when I met Amy. On the pilot, pilot didn't get picked up, but we creatively just connected so strongly. She loved it. I was in Europe. Uh, You know, I I grew up in Europe, so I have a different kind of point of view on fashion, more European, and that's what the film needed. So when she wrote uh, Clueless, she called me and said, you are the girl, and I really want you to do this, to bring something so fresh and fashion forward, something that's not on the street. Because at the time, it was all grunge, you know, it was all everybody was wearing their like plaid and baggy pants and, you know, it was all Kurt Cobain, Nirvana kind of, you know, fashions on the street. So there was nothing really to go from. So everything had to be invented, you know, taken from the runways Paris and you know Milan I mean share with Dion they probably daddy flew her there and she probably had the tickets and you know in the day and was able to like you know pick the things that she liked. But then everything had to be like translated into the high school because you, you know Amy is a director she said you know I, I want this world to be very youthful, very very sweet, very feminine, you know, girly and that's kind of what we were changing from this grunge. Uh, fashion forward, of course. But it had to felt high school. It had to fail they were young girls because they had to feel authentic. And I think part of kind of the love for this film to the day, even though they were high fashion and that is, you know, amazing how fun that is, but they felt authentic, they, that they really were beloved in the end, that you knew who Cher was and knew who Dion was and kind of, that feeling that's like emotional feeling right thing and that's why the film has lived so long because it's such an emotional connection that people have to this film you know with the fashion with the look, kind of making you feel good you know we were talking with a friend the other day like where are those movies we need more of those you know the never been kissed Ro michelle how to lose a guy in 10 days like all those fun movies that we just mm-hmm. kind of watch and feel good and it's okay and it's you know a little bit of mystery and fun and and I don't know. I, I miss those movies, you know. I really miss those yeah.
1: movies. Yeah. And I mean, it, it puts you back into like a really specific time and place too. I mean, Clueless, I am one of those people that can quote that movie from start to finish. I've seen it a hundred times. Uh, I know I'm not alone with our listeners when I say that. It was literally part of my formative years as a young person and and central to my own relationship with fashion. It's possible that it was one of my like, very first introductions to fashion and really considering that as like this covetable entity. And I have so many questions for you, Um, but I would love to hear a little bit more about yourself and your formative years. Did you have like a clueless film or something similar growing up that brought you to fashion or a love and appreciation of clothing? You know, not that I can really remember. I mean, I had very
2: interesting upbringing. I uh, was actually born in India in Kolkata. My parents, my Polish dad and German mom you know were living there. My dad was there for five years. so during the time I was born there, I lived there when I was three. So I think that also had a really big impact on me on color because I have incredible love for color, and I think that definitely wasn't from Poland where I lived moved after, which is much more gray and you know, uh, at the time, it was communist, so, you know, not a super happy place. So I think that that being born and I kind of maybe the first things that I saw in my life were just incredible color of India, you know, the yellow, the reds, the pinks, the blues, you know, the jewelry, kind of this incredible, I mean, the, the greenery, the, you know, there's, it's, it's very plush um, there with nature and plants and flowers. You know, then moving to Poland and, you know, leaving Poland when 1981 happened, it was, you know, kind of martial law, you know, we got out because my mom was German. And then I was living in Germany. Uh, Berlin, you know, which was really incredible at the time, was kind of a closed city. Very artsy, very edgy. You know, I went to school there. Then I, you know, I did some schooling in in Paris and Milan, you know. So so from early age, really, I was like into fashion. You know, I was the girl that was drawing the princess dresses and 20 of them. And, you know, had a whole wall of like (laughs) (laughs) collection. You know, I told my mom what to wear at five years old and, you know, reorganized their closet and, you know, made comments to everybody what they should do. So that was really something that was innate in me. You know, it was something that I really... I think I was born with in a way mm-hmm. uh, somehow that, that interest, you know, that love. And then I just, you know, went with it. I went to art school, you know, and I, I paint and I, I, you know, I, I'm into textile and all that stuff. And, you know, so fashion design was really just such a natural thing for me to do. Uh, and then, you know, I was in Europe then via New York, I came to LA, ended up going to fashion Institute here you know, love delay for some reason, I think maybe reminded me more of India and kind of the colors and the foliage, you know, the bougainvilleas and, you know, I don't know. I just felt super kind of feeling at home here. And when I was in school, I met, you know, friends from UCLA, USC here, you know, film schools. And they were like, you in fashion, you know, would help us. We're we doing these films, you know, for our, for our school assignments. And, you know, and I was like, hmm, okay, cool. You know, anything fun to do, creative. And I got a bug immediately. I mean, it was just so much fun to, you know, it was fashion, but it was beyond. It was bringing something so interesting to creating the characters from the page and, you know, figuring the psychology, like I said before, who they are and what they've been, where they're going and not having a lot of money. So having to be very resourceful in those kind of movies, you know, actors' uh, closets or, you know, whatever, thrift stores. And I had a lot of fun. You know, I really just, that was kind of my first introduction. And I was just like, this is cool. So yeah, it was, you know, kind of, I like came to the back door and I think all of my upbringing kind of being worldly and you know, I, I, I laugh at this, but now the term of like global, you know, globalization and global. Is so, you know, everybody uses it, but then back then we didn't have that, you know, but I was kind of the first girl to, to brought that, I think, to the film, to the fashion, and you know, I took the stuff from the runways, I, you know, and it wasn't computers. So there was no <laughs> style.com. You know, I had to buy big collection books and, you know, cut things out and make the collages and really figure out what from the future, from the runways, you know, we can incorporate into the film that can be filtered through the eyes of the girls that is appropriate and right and fun and colorful. You know, we had a very specific color palette because it was all fun and colorful. Again, opposed to the grunge that was happening at the time so i think the kind of global point of view also on this in this film brought something so fresh and different
1: right and i i think it's really interesting too cuz i just learned this that clueless was one of like your big break into film before that you'd been doing pilots you i think you met amy heckerling the director on a pilot and you guys just c- connected And it's so cool, too, because she has an eye for fashion. And it's so very clear by the script that she wrote in which fashion is literally a character. (laughs) I think Vogue just wrote this article about you and your designs, and I love it so much because it says the most memorable character in the film is the costume design, and I completely agree with that. I do love Cher and Dion and (laughs) and Ty. But the costume design is is what's really stayed with us to this day because it still feels so relevant and so covetable. Can you talk a little bit more about how you and Amy collaborated to create this kind of fashion-centered world It really was this way of life for these young women.
2: Completely, completely. And that was the focus of everything. You know, how do they look at life? We look at life through clothes. Everything is about the clothes. And from the beginning out, when you see them in the first scene with the yellow, you know, Dolce Gabbana suit and the black and white plaid suit that I designed for Dion, you know, and their hats and their backpacks. I mean, it was just endless. And, you know, working with somebody like Amy is incredible because it's somebody who understands fashion, loves fashion, wrote about fashion, wants everything to be fashion. And that is our, like, the creative, you know, I mean, it's it's so much fun to do that with someone that gets it because a lot of times directors don't understand fashion. You know, fashion is kind of secondary in a film. It's not like you said, the character and to be up front everywhere where you see it, you know, I mean, you, you think of... Alicia having 60 changes. Then you have the 45 changes. Then, you have I. then you know, the boys Then the clicks in the schools, every extra that came in the morning at 5am was dressed by us because they didn't have the clothes. You know, I created everything. And I had to also create it in, in two months, you know, eight weeks of prep with not a big budget. It was, the was a movie was about $25 million, you know, so that's incredible amount of work to make it happen. And also, I didn't have the budget to make everything, to you know, to copy this stuff that's on the runways. I had to be super inventive how I make that happen. So you know, I was able to get some of the Alaya and the Dolce and the things, but then I had to go to the mall and figure out <clears throat> what's in the mall already that I can create in this future. Then I can go to the thrift store and mix it up. And that was also one of the very interesting thing I think in the film that was so fresh because at the time, There was no mixture of high and low, the way that we dress now, you know, where we have the Balenciaga bag and the ripped jeans, and then we have the expensive leather jacket that's, you know, $3,000, and then we wear it with flip flops. You know, at the time, it really was like high fashion, then you had the mall kids, then you had kind of the grunge, hippie, whatever, and then maybe you have some kind of stylish thrift store kids. But it didn't really cross, you know. So what I also did, and it was kind of mother of invention and also something very fresh that I mixed those. So on the you know, you have like a vinyl skirt that kind of could be a rave. And then you have the leopard jacket. And then you have the 50s purse. And then you have the knee highs. And that's Amy. And that's kind of the process of, you know, working with somebody who is in the fittings, who really, you know, every day we would come together with a little tear sheets from a magazine and it would be the same. Like, oh, my God, look at this, you know, egging me on about the hats you know I'm a big hat wearer myself and she knew that and she did like how much I loved hats and I think hat is such an important part if you're really pulling you know all the stops to have a hat and she was game for everything
1: yeah yeah and it really shows how inventive you guys are in that incredible film It's interesting too, because I think there's a lot of misconception that a costume designer like literally designs and constructs every single piece of clothing that goes on a film. But so much of it is like you said, being inventive and being like having this eye and being able to put all of these people, it's really an ensemble cast that you're designing for I mean, 60 changes on share. that's incredible, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you did such an incredible job designing for this ensemble cast. And one of my favorite scenes, and I just watched this film, of course, but is the, when they're playing tennis and you have the row of girls all in quote-unquote uniform, it's like a black, gray, and, and white variation, but they're all wearing something different, and it's all fashion for it. They all look fabulous. <laughs> is that something you did on the fly, or was it pre-fits? How did you do this?
2: It, of course, we prefer. Yeah. But
1: you know, it, it's again, everything in the
2: film came kind of from the authenticity of everything so you know we looked at the gym what the girls wear black and white okay so let's go with the black and white but how do we again take that to another level right you know how do we kind of make it fun and Cher would be you know herself in her little spaghetti strap over the white t-shirt you know and of course you have Dion with her tuxedo shirt over a mesh uh, see-through sleeves and then you know with the matching beeper and then Cher of of course had her water ball or Chanel water bottle that we invented we made Then you have, you know, our little fashion victim girl who is, you know, in her little, like, almost a wrestler outfit, you know, it's like (laughs) a bathing suit, 1920s bathing suit. So, yeah, I mean, it's, again, having fun, too. You know, me and Emmy, I think when you love something, it's fun. And that's what also shows in the film. We just had a blast. It will be like, oh my God, let's do this on her. Okay, she needs to have the bracelet. Oh, she needs to have the, you know, okay, this is not enough. Okay, take this away. It's too much. You know what I mean? It's just every moment was like that. But going back to, again, like everything was coming from kind of that heart, authentic heart, you know, same with the plaids. Why plaids? Well, plaids, high school or school, Catholic school, you know, plaid skirt, very quintessential uniform that you have. But what would Cher do with this? you know, take it to a whole another level. So again, all this stuff, always we were grounding everything in in reality. So it never felt like they were just models running around in the high heels and being snooty. And, you know, you just, it was so, real for who they wear and I think that's a very also important thing for a costume designer to always think of that what is real for the character sometimes you have to put your own taste onto the side and really concentrate who these people are on the screen who the characters are I think it can make or break the film you know like sometimes you see in comedies where the clothes are so crazy that it just takes over the actor Exactly. yeah distracting, you know, and that's a very fine line. I've done a lot of comedies too, you know, Never Been Kiss and Romy and Michelle and Wedding Singer and, you know, Night at the Roxbury. So it's like, I, I think I have a really good hand with that. It's kind of like, you know, what is it that is not too much or not enough? You know, it's such a fine line. It's a tight line to, to walk. And sometimes you really don't find that till you have the fittings.
1: Yeah, yeah. And working with the actor too sometimes can help
2: working with actors, because it really is something that you can imagine, you know, like in your, you know, visual material, you know, in your boards and everything. And then once you're in the room with an actor, it's another story. You know, it's truly something where you like, the magic happens. The, the clothes on the actor's body with their attitude and who they are, who, and how they want to play the character. That's when everything gels. I mean, those moments are to me like one of the most awesome moments, you know, in the career, like being with Alicia and putting the yellow suit on after trying so many after different things and going, oh, this is it. This right. is the yellow. Like, wow. I mean, I didn't even think that the yellow would have this kind of energy, like a ray of sunshine, you know, like how it how it makes you feel even looking at it, you know. Blue was great. Red was too much like she's trying too hard blue just didn't pop even though it looked beautiful on her she put that yellow suit on in the fitting and me and emmy and everybody <laughs> just looked like oh you know this is it so those are the moments kind of where it's really you know it's process and i think a lot of people think it's like pointing at something and you put it on and it's perfect. Oh my God. For
1: sure. Yeah.
2: Far from the truth. I mean, so many, I mean, for 60 changes is hours and hours of fittings with Alicia and, you know, her At the time being, we talk about it with her a lot. She even said, left me a message the other day. She's like, you know what I say, where I say to you that, you know, I just didn't understand the clothes then. And it's like, now I do. And, you know, I gave all the clothes away and I'm so sorry (laughs) because she was just an activist. She was a young girl running around with the dogs, saving animals. She was, you know, vegan already in the '90s, which wasn't so popular. And that's who she was, and that she had to kind of step into the fitting and learn and really put the clothes on and learn what designers' clothes are. And they binding, yes, and they are fun, yes, and they colorful, yes. You know, so it, it's such a great discovery, I think, in the fittings to 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 when you work with actors, it's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite part of my job, you know, to really just get in there.
1: Yeah. And and then the styling too, because that iconic suit, of course, is what the computer program in the film, that now incredibly famous computer program that no one's replicated. No one.
2: Can you believe it? 2020 (laughs) and no one has freaking replicated? It's
1: crazy. I have to tell you, when I saw this movie, I tried to recreate that on my computer in like 1996. I tried to draw. I'm not kidding you. I tried to draw all of my clothes into like a Word doc. It didn't work obviously. That's
2: so cool. Oh my God. It was just
1: so cool cool and mind blowing to be like, I want, I want that. I want to be able to, to pick and choose my wardrobe before I put it on. And then it pairs with those like knee high stockings with those Mary Jane uh, uh, heels. And then her and Dion have these matching. I never even realized this until the other day, but they have a matching safety pen chain.
2: Yes and that's very much of classic thing that's very scottish you know that's very kind of a tartan thing i mean this is really kind of again a little throwback to history and you know when i was a young girl in europe i mean i had those safety pins in my tartan skirts you know and that's what i wanted to add to it to just again it's high fashion you know you want to do something that's really unique and you know to me always when i think of working and doing designing it's like you know how can i make the audience be interested, you know, like, what is that? Oh, this is so cool. You know, it's like fresh, it's different, it's new. That's always on my mind. You know, it's like my, that's how I think of life too. I, I'm always looking for new things, you know, what can inspire me? What's, what's fun and, you know, and how can I, I can translate it to my work? You know, it's amazing because that really is, is I think the most fun. And I mean, that's why I think, again, yeah, there's a lot of exuberance in my work. You know, I think that's a lot of like um, happiness in my work. You know, when you look at my movies, I think you kind of can tell that they're, you know, they're my movies because it's just always, I mean, House Bunny, Enchanted, you know, I mean, Never Been Kissed, like Romy and Michelle, you think of these like girly movies that are empowering. You know, there's always some kind of transformation to something better, to something like more soulful who you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to ask you about Romy and Michelle in a minute. Um, But first I want to kind of conclude our conversation about Clueless because Clueless, and and we've done a two-part episode on fashion and film and kind of this intersection of fashion and film. It's it's always had a really, really tight relationship since the beginning because fashion is such a force, right? And but it's the I think I read in one interview you're talking about how Karl Lagerfeld was inspired by the gold chain cell phone holder that you had Cher wearing when she's going to hit tennis balls. I mean, this film had a profound influence on fashion, not just in the 90s, but to this very day, fashion designers still reference your work. (laughs) Um, And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the concept of fashion in the film because it's really the bane of a costume designer's existence to design contemporary film and put something that's fashionable when you're shooting on an actress or actor. And then when the film comes out, it's like gone. It's not fashionable anymore. So how did you go about, you know, were you both inspired by current fashion, but also you had to create fashion like fashion? You had to be like fashion forecasting. (laughs) Completely. I mean, this film is so unique
2: because I think you're not only creating characters that are who they are, but also you you're bringing something to the screen that doesn't exist. So and you have to really go far you know to Europe and 6 months ahead or a year ahead to really bring something fresh completely different that is in the on the street. So that was really really unique I think and not many films really have done that. Since then I think when you talk about fashion and film in the sense of like the the characters what they're wearing it can kind of date them. I think it's a very important thing and which I always try to avoid you know like I don't really use certain trends like I never would use the jeans that have those big wash things in the front you know those like when we had them like I don't know what year that was or certain things so because I think I I lived in Europe and I kind of grew up all over the world I have a different point of view. So I don't go for the trends. It doesn't interest me so much as what is the bigger picture, you know, and how does that translate into something that's kind of timeless and fun. And to me, fit is really important. So like, you know, some of the trend stuff is not really that great fit, you know, the giant sleeves, you look like a nun or whatever, you know, that's now, or, you know, the giant flowers or something, you know, to me, it's distracting to the character. So I really try to be Again, authentic to the character, and try try to almost like you know translate everything that is out the trends into something that is maybe classic, but not in a boring sense, or something that's timeless uh, that can transcend. And it's a you know it's a harder task. It's much easier to just get something of direct and put on an actor and be done right. with it. You know, it's way easier. And I think a lot of people don't have time or don't, don't want to go the extra mile. And that's you know sometimes maybe even asked of them to do, which I think maybe it serves its purpose for the moment, but it doesn't have the longevity. You know, so that I think I was very lucky to maybe be who I am in a way and how I see the world, you know? So that's my point of view and how I kind of translate that. But I think it's always incredible the, the connection between film and fashion. I mean, look at Travilla, who was like, you know, the guy who dressed Melon Monroe and he did the white dress. Yeah. I mean, look at that. I mean, look at, you know, Marlene Dietrich and how she influenced or Audrey Hepburn, you know, and like the, the little black dress or the pantsuit. I mean, it's, it's really, to me, incredible to, to have that, to be able to have that impact that film can have that in fact,
1: you know. Yeah. And the share yellow suit is just as iconic, I would argue, as the Marilyn Monroe white dress. I mean, it is still to this. Yeah. And it will continue to be this point of reference for people for years to years to come. I mean, I posted this on my account recently and all of the comments from people on Instagram about just I just showed this movie to my kid and she's watched it 3 times now, you know. It's like people are reconnecting their kids to the film for generations to come that are going to st- are still going to be just as inspired as I was as an 11-year-old you know, watching Cher um, get dressed.
2: (laughs) That is amazing to me. I mean, truly, that is the most amazing thing because when I meet women all over the world and when they find out I'm coolest and they could be 45, they could be 50 years old or they could be 16 young girls And when they they lose their shit, basically, they just go, oh, my God, I just can't believe it. You did my favorite film. Oh, my God. You know, it's like it just I hear the stories where they were, what you know, how old they were when they first saw the movie, you know, how they couldn't get the over the new stockings. One was telling me that their father bought her the white Jeep. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's so much fun.
1: Yeah, and 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 just such a gift that you've given us, too. And I mean, now that I've met you and talked to you about it, the joy that you obviously have for your profession and what you do, like you said, it completely translated to this film, which was obviously a project of love. And we're all so incredibly lucky that it came out 25 years ago.
0: Dress listeners, whatever your reason for wanting to learn a new language, whether it's an upcoming international adventure, communicating with your friends and family abroad, or even professional purposes, Rosetta Stone has got you covered. As the trusted expert in language learning for 30
1: years now, you can join millions of Rosetta Stone users to learn any of the 25 languages offered. That includes Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean,
0: Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and so many more. And this is fast language acquisition, friends. There are no English translations, so you learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. And right now, you can get lifetime access to all 25 of Rosetta Stone's language courses for 50% off. That's language learning for 25 languages for the rest of your life, which, Cass, is frankly amazing. It is. And what are
1: you waiting for, dress listeners? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, dress listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today.
0: Dress listeners, did you know that you can save on everything from fashion to beauty, home decor to groceries, even kids' school supplies with Rakuten? Rakuten
1: is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category. Beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, you name it. You're already shopping at your favorite stores, so why not be saving while doing it? It really is a no-brainer.
0: How does it work, you ask? Well, stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via a check or PayPal quarterly.
1: Membership is free and it's easy to sign up. So join the 17 million members who have already saved at their favorite brands. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds
0: up. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Dress listeners, if you suffer from seasonal allergies like me, Astapro is your new go-to. It has been super helpful to me this spring as it bursts into full bloom.
1: And that's because Astapro is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter solution for nasal allergy symptoms. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro
0: is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. You too can get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief like I have with Astapro. It gets me back in the game, ready to record the show for all of you. Go to AstaproAllergy.com
1: for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. pro and Go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I have one more question about Clueless, and then I'm going to switch to Romy before I let you go. But um, Clueless is based, I think a lot of people forget that Clueless is based on Jane Austen's Emma. That was written in 1815. And something I noticed, a connection I made recently is that Cher wears all these, you know, those Empire style dresses, those high-waisted styles. It's almost like this homage to the Empire lines of the early 19th century. And I just was curious if that was like sheer coincidence or something that you intentionally did. It was intentional very subtle
2: and intentional you know I wanted to definitely pay homage I you know I love that that story it's so beautiful and I think the femininity too of that time you know it, which I could actually help to bring back with a little bit of, of cup sleeve with empire ways and also this so feminine I think it's also quintessential something that that any girl almost can wear it hides a lot of things you know, hides a lot of imperfections of your tummy, of your hip. So again talking about, you know, fit is so important and how that will also had the impact on the film. So I think that was something that I could bring secretly for people like you to, to to notice. But also it was very appropriate for who she was and not only kind of you know stylistically in the way of the Empire ways, but like how something like that fit, how girly it is, how great it is for girls to maybe be exposed to that kind of shape again, to use that in their own wardrobe. Because that's kind of my main goal too. You know, I, I not only wanna inspire, but I wanna I wanna give something like clues and I wanna help girls to, to you know, be able to look in the morning go, you know what, I'm going to try something new. This is really cool. I saw that on this movie or I saw that on the actress. And that's, let me try that, you know, because it's all about, like I talked about the fit, anything that we even had coming into the fitting room, you know, be it Dolce Gabbana suit or be it 99, 99 cent store, you know, finding, everything was fit. So it was like couture fit on every piece of clothing that you saw in a movie. And that's also very different. You know, that's also something like that a lot of costume designers maybe don't do. But to me, I'm kind of that's my signature. You know, when I when when you look at the other movies, to so the girls look great. I mean, look at House Bunny. How many girls I had to wear and how different shapes I had to use for each of their different bodies. You know, so to me, that's really kind of the other part that I really get into the nitty gritty of. You know, I, I think that also is inspiring. I really feel I love that. You know, that I get. I talk about that a lot with with women. You know, that I meet about this film. So it's it's. It's
1: super fun. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can't let you go today. I have one more question um, without discussing another iconic fashion film because you've done many, honestly. Um, but Romeo and Michelle again, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion again, one of those very formative fashion films for me. That was like, wow, this is a lifestyle. This is a world unto itself. And the difference between, of course, Sharon Dion and Romeo and Michelle is that they really do make their clothes in the film, and they are creatives. Um, and it is a part of their identity and their expression um, that they are themselves are creating from scratch. So I was just hoping you could talk a little bit about that because did you actually design and make a lot of their clothes? Oh my God, so many. So many of their clothes were made actually. Uh, what was fun about this
2: movie, uh, a little different to Clue cool is that they're adults. Right. You know, they were adult girls and they were making their clothes. So I could go a little further with it, you know, as we were really kind of trying to keep Clueless, very kind of young and youthful. You know, we could kind of go out here and go a little sexier and a little wilder and we could really expand on all this kind of getting out there fashion of making stuff and chain mail dress over her vinyl things, the boas, the, you know, a lot of textures, color. And if you really look at, again, this film, it's, it's like a fashion journey. So you're really looking at each character in their own journey, you know, what they do, like Lisa, the more feminine, you know, always like in the end, having the pink dress for, for her reunion, you know, when she's wearing the suit that's, you know, she supposedly did the post-its, it's it's very feminine with a low neckline as Mira is very masculine, you know? So that, that kind of play on, on color palette for them as well, where Mira was, you know, the bedazzled bright pink. And uh, Mira's character was always the more blue, blue tone, kind of somber colors. So again, I mean, I just, you know, something I was looking, I had to give um, a, a publication, some, photos from rami and michelle and i was actually looking on the internet last night and i was like where is this coming from in my head like (laughs) it's so crazy The stuff like the gym outfits you know there was nothing out there at the time for the gym outfits and i was like i need some cool gym outfits let's make some gym outfits this is boring what's out here you know so we made the shiny gym outfits you know And again, you know, working with actors like Lisa Kudrow, who's a great comedian, you know, I mean, she was at the height of her career, you know, walking into the fitting room and like just going crazy. Let's do this. Okay, let's do this. It's more fun. Oh my God, you know, like just having a blast. And comedians are also really funny because they they almost want to, not afraid to take piss of themselves a little bit too, you know. So um, she just embraced that character incredibly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that movie is just, it's, it's again, another just sheer gift to fashion lovers. <laughs> yeah. And it's the sunglasses, you know, the, the, I mean, the little scarves, scott- the cherry
2: earrings. And I mean, you know, it's like, I will go, You know, so far to find something, and you know, it's great to have also a team because you know, and nothing be be, be, without. I don't. I'm nothing without my team too. You know, people who are like the shoppers, the pattern makers. You know, the the people, the people on set. You know, the coordinators, the supervisor who make everything happen and make sure that they wear this the the right clothes in the right scene. But it's like, you know, not having that great artistic backbone for my team too is so important. If, I mean, I would be nothing if I don't have the girls who are going to have the same passion as I do to find those cherry earrings that they just were
1: perfect for that scene. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Perfect. Mona, thank you so much for being here today. I mean, I think I can speak for all of our listeners when I say that this was truly a treat and thank you for sharing your joy of costume design with us. I mean, it's, it's such a, obvious passion of yours and it's a gift and an, an art form that you've cultivated all of these years you're still designing you design santa clarita's diet with uh, drew barrymore 20 years later it's so cool yeah who you've worked with for all these years i mean um your work is is i'm excited to look um to keep my eyes open for what you have next
2: yes Yes, Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster coming near you. I'm actually designing an animated movie right now and doing some fun stuff in an animated girl character. And... yeah, I would love to come back. You know, maybe we can talk about Enchanted, which is one of you know I loved that movie so much, and Haunted Mansion, which is you know, a lot more design and kind of process of also working with animation. United you know, Stuart little uh, I designed the animated character costumes, which was really fun. So you know, there there's still more to talk. But loved being here, and thank you for again. I'm so happy to be on these shows and talk to you and journalists because you know. I think my craft, people don't know what we do and, you know, to get the word out there, what we do, who we are, to, to have the appreciation of our craft and our art. It's tremendous. You know, it's really, um, I'm glad that there's more and more interest and I'm glad that, you know, articles like this and your posts still can bring more of that, you know, to the world. Like, you know, here we are behind the scenes. You don't really see it. but great. Something incredible on the screen. You know, that's, that's so important to the, to the film. Uh, And to actors, you know, to the process of the actors.
1: And inspiring. I'm sure you've inspired this new generation of costume designers, too, who are listening.
2: Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I have so many, I have, I get so many beautiful notes and letters and please people follow me on Instagram. I'm being much more creative on Instagram because now I kind of got the bug. I wasn't before, but now I'm like getting so much love from everybody. So I'm going to post sketches and things. And, you know, I have an amazing website too, monomecom that you guys can go and there's like beautiful sketches and there's, you know, oh, just truly, truly tremendous amount of work to see on my website. So, you know, please direct your, your, um, listeners and, you know, I just will keep sharing stuff with you
1: guys. Yes, please do. We are all ears. We would love to have you back on the show. Um, Mona, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you everyone. Take care and be inspired every day. Thank you. Mona, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yes, that was such a treat. I am still on such a high from that interview. <laughs> I mean, one is anyone as excited about the Punky Brewster remake as I am, or reboot, I should say. I,
0: I didn't even know they were making a Punky Brewster remake, but I will say this. I was a huge Punky Brewster fan when I was oh, younger. Yeah. And I think she and I are like the same age. So so <gasps> I, I was like in all the way. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I am super, super
1: excited. I I was as well. And, you know, and so that's one. And two, I cannot say enough wonderful things about Mona. Meeting her via Zoom, of course, but talking to her was really a highlight of my career, my time on dress, my life. I could go on and on and on. I mean, the staying power of Clueless makes so much more sense now that I've spoken with her because it, I mean, it really shows in that interview, there's so much passion and heart that goes into her work. And I mean, to say this film helped sparked my love for fashion is probably the understatement of the year. I don't even think I knew what fashion was before that movie came out. <laughs> um, I was still very young, <laughs> but it definitely had a profound influence on me. And like I said in the interview, I even tried to recreate that computer program that played stylist. I drew my entire wardrobe on the computer. It didn't it didn't go very well, but um, <laughs> I adopted the plaid mini skirt, the knee-high socks. Um I mean, yeah, I could just go on. I mean, April, I am curious though if you have an early introduction to fashion that you would like to share.
0: Hi. Do. Um, and this dates to probably 1980. And I remember very vividly there was a woman who lived in our neighborhood who got a pair of Jordash jeans. And this is like when they had just come out. So they had like all that little intricate back stitching on the pockets. And then they even had the little horse head on the pockets. And this was the talk of the neighborhood between all the mothers that she got these very expensive jeans. Um, and I just remember like watching how this dialogue was created among all these women, kind of like without the person who had the jeans even being present. So I was probably like five, four, five at this time. So that was, that was kind of like one of my very earliest kind of like, oh, there's something to this thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's really interesting how many people have that moment to have like that really early connection with clothing that still stays with them to this day. I mean, that really speaks to how important clothing is to our identity and our identity formation at such a young age. So I also want to mention before we go that as a special treat for Clueless's 25 years, the film is streaming on Netflix. So if you've never seen it and you want to introduce it to your kids, um, if you need to see it again and again and again, it's there. Um, but yeah, such a, such a special interview. Yay! And that does it for us today, Dress listeners. May you consider an early influence on your relationship to fashion next time you get dressed. Remember to tune in this Tuesday for our full-length episode. And of course, we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to email us, please do so at dressed at iheartmedia.com. You can
0: also direct message us on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast where you will find images accompanying each week's episode and you can follow us on Facebook at dress podcast without the underscore.
1: And as always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes the show possible each and every week. Catch you Tuesday.
0: Dress, the history of fashion, is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.